Welcome to Superior Central Library's podcast, your place for stories, poetry, messages from your teacher, and announcements from your library. Stolen Treasure at Pictured Rocks by Mary Morgan. Chapter 10. That night, while their mother wrote postcards in the camper, the twins, Eli, and their fathers sat around the fire pit on the beach where Hurricane River flowed into Lake Superior. They told stories of their day. Eli begged to go first. Before we left the dock, a man measured me and my dad and gave us a kayak that fit us. We had to wear a life vest in case we rolled over and fell out. The man made us practice paddling in shallow water, and we did okay. We never tipped over even once. I think canoeing back home on the Grand River helped us learn how to keep our balance in a kayak and not flip over, his father added, nodding his head. Did he go to the shipwrecks? asked Ben. Yeah, it was so cool. We could see the decks and the other parts right up close, Eli replied. We did too. I had my binoculars and I could see way down too. I took lots of pictures. Rebecca cut in. Ben saw you in his binoculars, so I got one of your kayak when we passed you. I can't wait to have my pictures printed. You'll have to make a copy for us, too, Mr. Hartley said. We need one to prove we really did it. Eli has an uncle who is sure we'd flip over first thing. How far do you think you paddled? asked Ben. Well, let's see. How many miles you figure we went today, Eli? Was it six or seven? Rubbing his still sore arms, Eli said, My sore muscles think we went six or seven hundred miles. <laughs> we rented the kayak for three more days. Would you two like to try it down here at the beach tomorrow? Yeah, Ben and Becca said together. Their voices were so similar, it sounded like only one of them answered. Good. Since you are both about Eli's size, you can use his life jacket. How long you think you can hold your breath should we roll and go underwater? Not very long, Ben replied. Can I wear nose plugs? Sure, if you want to. Just remember, that water is very cold. You won't want to be in it for very long. How was your day? Chapter 11. Becca opened her mouth, but Ben spoke first. Awesome! No, it was scary, she said. A man fell off our boat. No way, exclaimed Eli. Yeah, a guy up on the cliff did a semaphore message to a man in our boat. It was his friend who fell in, Becca explained. Her tongue almost tripped on her words. And then we got yelled at by the man because we took his picture, Ben added. Eli couldn't believe it. And Ben saw somebody get out of his canoe and take something out of the water and put it in his canoe, and then the man paddled up a stream really fast so no one could get a good look at it. Becca continued excitedly. We told the ranger about it, and he'll be watching for a camouflage canoe, Ben said, adding, ending their story. Wow, you did have excitement on your boat. When you saw the man doing signals, could any of you understand what he was trying to say? Asked Mr. Hartley. Yes, Ben said. He signaled, meet me tonight. 
Wow, how could you tell? My dad taught me, Ben replied, looking at his dad. When I was a Boy Scout, I learned semaphore signals using flags. And since Ben will need to know them one day for a merit badge, I taught him the alphabet a couple years ago. It's impressive he remembered it enough to decipher the message. I'm impressed too, Mr. Hartley said in return. He stretched out his legs and put his hands behind his head as he looked out across Lake Superior. Do any of you know what the Indians used to call this lake? No, replied three young voices. Gitchagumi. Any idea what it means? No, responded three young voices again. It means big water. A poet by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem called The Song of Hiawatha. It begins, by the shores of Gitchagumi, by the shining big sea water. And that's all I remember. But now that I have seen the big sea water, I'll have to find the poem and read it again. Apparently, there was a lot more wildlife than there is now. Imagine looking over there and seeing a moose coming down to drink. Imagine being in a canoe and paddling all the way across. I wonder how many miles it is to the other shore. Did you know that would be Canada? The ten-year-olds strained their eyes and couldn't see the other side. Mr. Hartley's information was very interesting, and time flew by. Hearing a mournful call, Becca exclaimed, Hey, there's a family of loons out there. Five babies and an adult in front and one in back. The ranger said they go fishing for food this time of day. Eli, look, one of the big ones just went underwater. The ranger told us it could stay under for five minutes, Ben informed him. Wow, Eli was amazed it was underwater so long. I wonder how deep it has to go to get a fish. Just then, the loon bobbed back up and looked like he was swallowing a fish in his neck. Wait a minute. I want to get a picture of a loon. I need my camera. Becca turned it on and aimed in the loon's direction. Getting a picture of all seven loons wasn't easy, since one or two kept bobbing up and down into the water looking for a fish. There must be a lot of fish out there, Dad said. It'll be hard getting them all in one picture, you might end up with the tail feathers of one rather than its head. I got it, Becca said, clenching her fist like a champ. She finally caught all seven above the surface at one time. As they finished telling their stories, the fire died out, and the sun set, casting a final red glow over the lake. Darkness fell. A peaceful evening came over them and no one moved. The gentle lapping of water onto the shore was the only sound they heard. But suddenly, in the dim light of the rising moon, they saw and then heard movement in the water. A canoe was in the lake, moving ever so quietly. And then it happened, taking everyone by surprise. Chapter 12 Someone snapped a flashlight on and off farther down the beach. It looked like a signal to someone in the canoe. Someone in the canoe had flicked their flashlight on and off. And then they heard a splash. Someone was going out in the lake after dark. What was going on? Ben cupped his hands to his mouth to yell to them, but his father laid his hand on his arm. Shh. I think they're up to no good. 
That water is too cold for an evening swim. Let's just watch what happens and listen to their conversation. Becca wasn't too sure she wanted to be there. Do you think someone is stealing stuff from ships, Dad? Maybe this is how crooks do it after dark. I'm not sure, he whispered. That's why we're listening for now. We can't see very well, and we don't know how many are on the shore down there. They must have walked down the trail toward the lighthouse, and they're cutting through the bushes to the water. I wonder if they're camping near us. After several minutes of hearing things being put into the canoe, Mr. Hartley and Mr. Cooper came up with a plan. If something criminal was happening, they had to stop it before more valuable artifacts were stolen. The three kids would stay by the fire pit while the men walked down the beach to to surprise the would-be crooks in the act. Shouldn't you call 911? asked Becca. I think this is a robbery. Do you want me to scream and scare them off? Her screams could send anyone running. No, in case a robbery isn't going on, we shouldn't call 911. We'll just walk down and surprise them, Mr. Hartley decided. I don't think anyone would hurt us, and if it appears suspicious, we'll report it to the ranger tomorrow. Okay, let's go, Mr. Cooper said. You three stay right here. We'll be back. Be careful, Dad, Becca cautioned. We will. And with that, the two men walked down the beach. Eli, Ben, and Becca felt very much alone in the dark by the shore of the greatest, largest great lake. Someone was in the canoe. Someone was in the water. And someone was on shore. What was going on? What would happen to their fathers? They could just barely make out their father's forms walking silently on the beach. Suddenly, the man in the water surfaced. He had a diverse headlamp, and as he looked towards shore, the light shone right on the two dads. Someone's coming! Get out of here! The man in the water yelled, and he swam back over to the canoe. Just then, the man on shore shone his light in the faces of the two dads blinding them. The man on the beach took off running farther up the shore and then cut into the bushes. Not having flashlights, the dads couldn't pursue him. Mr. Hartley yelled, stop, we're going to report this. And the three kids huddled together as they heard loud voices shouting in the dark distance. Would their fathers come back safely or would something happen to them? Just then, a small white light flickered in the dark water. The men in the canoe must have needed a light to keep from crashing into the dangerous rocks offshore. They were getting away. But where was the guy who was on shore? They didn't wonder long. Behind them, they heard a rustling noise in the path which led to the campsite. Not knowing the three of them were sitting on the beach watching, the man shone his light for just a second on the path ahead of him. As quickly as it came on, it went back off. Everything happened so fast, and it was so very dark. I'm scared, Becca whimpered. Shh, her brother whispered in her ear. We don't want him to know we are here. She couldn't help herself. Dad! A blood-curdling scream erupted out of her mouth, and the three of them froze. Now everyone knew where they were. Chapter 13.
I'm coming, her dad called, running as fast as he could, realizing a stranger was possibly headed for the three kids. Totally out of breath, he knelt down by Becca and held her. She threw her arms around him in an instant. The man with the flashlight ran back there, and it scared me, she whimpered. She almost let out another cry, but she pushed it down inside. That means he could be camping here, too. There are ten campsites in this section, so he might be nearby. Something is going on, and it's a little too close for comfort. Let's go back to the camper and come up with a plan to keep us safe. I don't think anyone could recognize us out there in the dark. With that, they were off to the camper to tell their mother what had happened and exchange cell phone numbers with Eli's dad in case they had to get a hold of each other in a hurry. One look at their faces told mom something was up. What happened? You all look like you saw a ghost. Not exactly, but close, her husband replied. Seriously? We were sitting by the lake watching loons go by before the sunset. All of a sudden, after it got kind of dark, a canoe came out of nowhere. Somebody jumped out of the water and someone on shore shined his light. Ben's words were just flying out of his mouth. His mother's eyes got two sizes larger and her jaw dropped. Eli added, Then our dads decided to walk down and surprise them, but the man in the water came up with a light on his head still shining, and he saw them on the beach, and he must have gotten back into the canoe, and the man on the beach ran back into the bushes, and then he ran behind the path, and Becca screamed, and, You left? You men left three kids all alone on the beach? She said, raising her voice. Her hands went instantly to her hips as her head jerked towards her husband. They could have been hurt. Mom, we're okay, Ben said bravely. Becca just got scared. She didn't need to scream. She's such a girl. I did too need to scream, Becca retorted, wanting to defend herself. Okay, that's enough. I think we have had enough excitement for one day, Mom stated. Tomorrow we'll have a quieter day take a hike to the lighthouse and explore the beach. If anyone is up to something, I don't want us anywhere near it. If there's a crime happening, let the rangers deal with it. Our family does not need to make the headline news here in the municipal newspaper. We're on vacation. From the tone of her voice, Ben and Becca knew she meant business, so they didn't say a word. Mr. Hartley and Eli agreed that a day of kayaking at the beach and hiking to the lighthouse would be a great plan and turned to leave the camper. As Eli's hand was about to open the door, they heard a snapping sound on the backside of the camper under the window where they had been talking. Someone had been listening to them. Becca buried her head in a pillow so she wouldn't scream. She just couldn't help it. Chapter 14. Eli, stay here, Mr. Hartley said as he and Mr. Cooper bounded outside, flashlights in hand. After searching for 10 minutes, shining their lights in all directions, the men returned to the camper. Did you see anyone, Dad? asked Becca. No, whoever was there got away before we could spot him. The long branch, which was lying behind the camper, has been stepped on and broken. I think someone was watching us and listening to our story. He might have watched us come up from the beach and came over to the camper. I think we need to meet with Ranger Greg again. What have we gotten ourselves into? 
A look of dismay clouded his face. Nate, I think you and Eli should stay in the camper with us tonight, Dad suggested. Thanks for the offer, Dan, but I think we will be all right in our tent. I don't think anyone wants to hurt us. Trying to reassure the children, he said, maybe it was just a fat raccoon snooping for food under the camper. We'll keep our flashlight and cell phone right by us, and we'll see you in the morning. With that, they were off into the darkness, making a stop at the restroom across the parking lot. I think we should pull the curtain shut and play a game of categories. Girls against the boys, Mom announced as she moved towards the window. And I think we need some popcorn to eat. Sounds good? Sounds good to me, Dad said, pulling the game out of the cupboard over the stove. This has been quite the day, and I prefer to end it in a quiet way. Ben, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Dad, I am a fifth grader. Well, I was just checking, because I want to beat your mother and sister in this game. You roll the dice, and we'll see if it's a good letter for us. S, Mom said after the dice stopped moving. Okay, everybody. We have to think of words that answer the questions using the letter S as the first letter. Cracking up, Ben looked at the first question. Name a famous lake. Well, that was an easy one. Chapter 15. Becca rolled over and squinted as the morning sun peeked through the window near her bed. No one else seemed to be awake. Chipmunks squeaked as they chased each other around the picnic table. She lay back and thought of yesterday's excitement. She and Ben might have to become detectives and figure out what was going on. Suddenly, she bolted out of bed. Meet me tonight. Could it be that the man on the cliff and the man in the canoe and the man on the shore were the ones they saw yesterday while on the boat? Her heart started racing. Did the men on the beach plan to do something bad? Did Eli and her dad stop them in the act? Were they in danger? Ben had to wake up and hear her suspicions now. Ben! Ben! She whispered so loudly she thought she might wake her parents. He had to help her think this through. If the men were bad guys, then she had a picture of the one in the water and another picture of the two men in the captain's cabin. This was getting a little scary. Ben, you have to wake up, she said with a bit more volume. She threw her pillow, hoping it would wake him. Hey, he whined, coming out of the deep sleep. He liked sleeping in, not having a pillow land in his face. I just thought of something. Remember what the man's message was? Yeah, meet me tonight. His voice went from a whisper to almost a full yell. <gasps> meet me tonight! What are you two kids so excited about? Their mother asked from her bed. I just thought of something. Remember the guy's message from up on the cliff? Meet me tonight? Do you think it was him and the guys on our boat? Who met, me, who met last night on the beach? Maybe dad and Eli's dad stopped them from doing something illegal. Becca, are you letting your imagination run away from you? No, mom. Don't you see? It all fits. They're probably camping here too. Just then, Ben and Becca had the same thought. It was probably one of the men by their camper last night, not a raccoon. 
They were sure it had to be the men from the boat and the man up on the ledge sending signals. We have to tell Eli, Ben said, climbing out of his sleeping bag. Come on, Becca, get dressed. We have to warn him and his dad. Becca grabbed her clothes and in no time they were ready to dash out the door. Mom rolled back over. If they aren't awake yet, don't wake them up. Chapter 16. Passing by the picnic table, Ben and Becca stopped dead in their tracks. They were right. They had been spied upon. Neither one wanted to touch it, but their curiosity was too strong to resist. Skewered onto the end of a stick on a table was a note with big letters. Mind your own business. Mind your own business, Becca read. That's what the man yelled at us yesterday. They know who we are. She couldn't help herself. She let out another blood-curdling scream. Dad! The door of the camper flew open, as did the zipped flap on the Hartley's tent. What's wrong? called Dad. Picking up the stick, Ben ran to the camper as fast as he could. Eli dashed over to read it, too. Okay, that does it, Dad said. We're getting the ranger involved in this. They might be trying to scare us out of here, or they might just be giving us a real warning. He looked at the kids. He was so serious, his eyebrows almost went together. Should we go home? Mom asked. No, but I think we will inform the ranger of all that happened last night. We know there was an eavesdropper listening to us talk, and now here is this note. We've gotten ourselves in the middle of something, but once we turn it over to the rangers, we'll go on with our vacation. No more no's for the news. Mr. Hartley seemed to agree that they should stay at Pictured Rocks. We can walk the trail to the lighthouse and then spend time at the beach with the kayak. That seems harmless enough. But first, I agree. We should go to the visitor center and report what happened last night. Good idea, Dad said, shaking his head. Who would have thought our quiet vacation at Hurricane River Campground would turn into something like this? The website said it was peaceful and quiet. Yeah, right. Can we go down to the beach and see if we can see anything lying there? Eli asked his father. I'll say yes if you three stay together. Yell if you see anyone doing anything suspicious. Promise? We will, Eli called over his shoulder as they took off to locate the spot where the man had stood with the flashlight last night. Maybe in the daylight they could see something that had been tampered with. Breakfast in ten, Mom yelled after them. With all the excitement, no one remembered they hadn't eaten. The shoreline looked undisturbed as far as they could see. They were kind of disappointed. Catching thieves appealed to them. Plus, they wanted to see something that those men were putting into their canoe. Ben searched high and low. Becca stopped to look at the shells and stones. Wow, I just found a Petoskey stone. You did? Ben stopped looking and went over to see it. Sweet, she said, showing it to the boys. I always wanted to find one. Our teacher said these are fossils and are found only along shores in Michigan. Wetting it in the water, she added, 
Look, you can really see the six-sided shape on it now. Eli, did you ever see one? Yeah, my dad has one. He found it when we went camping in Traverse City. He said they're named after the Indian chief Petoskey, and they named the city of Petoskey after him too. My dad says they're our Michigan State Stone. He knows a lot of that kind of stuff. I have a collection of shells from when we went to the ocean, but I don't have a Petoskey stone. Maybe I can find one too. Wanting to help him have his wish, Becca walked along the shore looking closely at the stones. Eli, his father's voice called to him. You three need to come and eat. We have a big day ahead of us. They took off running along the beach, racing together as they went. Looking for Petoskey stones, once again they'd forgotten they hadn't had breakfast. When they arrived at the campsite, Mom looked up from reading one of their junior ranger books. There's a few projects in here you can do today at the beach and when we walk out to the lighthouse. You'll know a great deal about pictured rocks when we leave. Blueberry pancakes coming right up, announced Dad, flipping several onto a platter. These aren't just any old blueberries. They are the ones the UP is famous for. I tried some. They are delicious. His blue lips proved it. Eli didn't waste any time sitting down at the picnic table. Thanks for letting us eat with you. No problem, Mom said in return. We have plenty, and I'm sure you won't eat us out of house and home. Your dad said tonight he'll make a heartly specialty meal called hobo dinners. Hobo dinners? I love hobo dinners. They're so cool. I can't wait to show you how to do it, said Eli, more than just a little excited. He dove his fork into a stack of three pancakes, squirting blueberry juice into the air. Oops, sorry, he said, making a face. It's okay. Could happen to any of us, Dad assured him, passing the platter to Ben, who dove into them too. All right, guys, that is it for today. I hope you are enjoying the story, and I'll continue tomorrow. Have a great day.